Welcome to episode 106 of Running Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Hatfield, and today's guest is West Australian runner Phil Gore. Now, Phil Gore has just been awarded the uh, the Aura Award for the greatest single ultra-running achievement for a, uh, a male runner for his 51-hour epic during the Birdies Backyard 2021 over there in WA. Uh, we get a chance to chat to Phil about what it's like to run for a whole day and then another day and then into the third day. 51 hours is quite phenomenal. Went close to 350 Ks in the process, which is hard to imagine, but uh, Phil Gore has done it. So Phil started from uh, a background of trying to run five kilometres a day uh, during 2014 and, and focus on the shorter stuff and gradually has, has, has built his running up to the point where he can literally go forever. Um, so some interesting stuff along the way in terms of logistics and mindset and how on earth Phil can do such a thing. Um, before we get into it, I'd like to thank our, our podcast partners, Guy Me Allied Health, Base Camp Altitude, Fractel, Goo Energy, Running Matters Coaching, Raid Light, Ranala, Cronulla Beer Co and Coda Nutrition. So don't forget to jump on and uh, check out all those discount codes from our podcast partners. Uh, especially today, we've uh, got some samples from Cronulla Beer Co, a couple of exciting new beers that they've got in the in the mix. And we've got the pleasure of sampling uh, yeah, the, the test case, I suppose. So yeah, some really tasty stuff along the, the podcast. And yeah, we hope you enjoy interview with Phil Gore. Okay, welcome to the show, Phil Gore. How are you, mate? I'm pretty good, thank you. How are you? Ah, uh, yeah, pretty good. Uh, I hear it was a bit of a late night last night. What was happening? Uh, uh, just catching up with some mates. Um, so, yeah, haven't done my run yet today. <laughs> is, is there still time at the end of today? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's only uh, 2 o'clock over here. So, uh, uh, I'll get out there a bit later on today. Of course, mate, that's impressive. Before we move on, just... How many beers did you have? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not a beer <laughs> drinker. Um, it's, yeah, just spirits for me. And, yeah, I didn't keep track. Yeah. It was <laughs> one of those nights, was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that, it's that sort of time in between races where I can just let it let a little loose. Oh, yeah. I haven't got any runs in the immediate future. So Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Well, mate, congratulations on uh, yeah, the Aura Brian Smith Award for 2021. So, you know, the most impressive yeah. single ultra running achievement for males. Um, can you let us know what the uh, what the race was that, that you got that award for? Uh, so, yeah, that was for Birdie's Backyard last year, 2021. Um, so, yeah, if you don't know what a backyard um, ultra is, uh, you do a 6.7K lap on the hour every hour um, if you don't finish it in the hour or you don't start the next lap um, then you're out and the race just keeps going until there's till there's one person left um, so yeah birdie's backyard last year um, i won it with 51 hours and yeah so that's what i got the um the award for 
Amazing. So I'm besides I make that out to you to be crazy. That's 342 k's. Is that about right? Yes. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, mate, well, I, I want to sort of dig into the psychology of the of the backyard ultra, and I guess the logistics and all that sort of stuff a little bit um, closer. But can we take you back a few years to um, where it all began running wise for you? You certainly didn't start with three hundred forty two k's. No, well, um, I, I probably started in uh, in high school. Um, I, I wasn't really into like the team sport sort of thing, so I thought running something good, I can just sort of do on my own I don't you know no one else is counting on me um and I can just yeah doesn't matter if I'm fast or slow just get out there and do it um so I started out uh it was year eight and I was actually quite a terrible runner I was always back of the pack um but then those five years of high school by the end of it I was one of the top runners um and then life being what it is uh left school started working full-time um running kind of just took a back seat I'd still get out there and run every now and then uh, but it was just very sporadic like the city city to surf would come around and be like oh yeah I'll sign up for that go out for like two or three training runs before it um, and then just kind of wing it on the day um, and then it wasn't until the end of 2014 um, I, I really started to to get back into it again and just to stop myself uh, from being sporadic with it I thought I'll just make a commitment um Every day in 2015, I'll run at least 5Ks. And I just made that commitment. Um, started an Instagram page um, called 5K a Day, just documenting that journey. And yeah, so it just, it, I kind of just got hooked on it from there. So after, after that year was up, I just kept going with the streak. Um, I've had to stop, stop it a couple of times since then, uh, whether it's injury or I've been away for army or something like that. Um, but each time I've, you know, picked it up again and started again. Um, so yeah, I did start with that. Um, I, I was just like a 5k runner. I just, I, I discovered park run. Um, and I'm like, well, if I want to get better at running 5k's, I just got to run 5k's a lot. Um, and so my typical week would, would have probably have only been, um, like 35 to 50 hours. Um, and yeah, I just got really passionate about the 5k. Um, Worked hard on getting my time down on that, you know, sort of branched out a bit, you know, go to the, the 12K, half marathon, marathon. Um, and it wasn't until 2019 um, that I did my first big ultra, which was the Light Horse 12-hour. Um, the reason I signed up for that is because I had free entry and I normally wouldn't have signed up for that event. But I had free entry and I thought, well, it's free. Might as well go for the most expensive option, which is the 12-hour. <laughs> um and yeah so i ended up coming second in that i did a hundred and 124 k's i think yeah um and i i wouldn't say i was hooked then i didn't i did enjoy it but i wasn't really hooked it wasn't until i did um birdie's backyard in 2020 um and i, I got second in that in that one so i was the assist with 39 hours and um, yeah, I just coming so close to winning that and just having that sense of accomplishment over that many hours, um, I just really got the hunger to just, I, I just wanted to be better at it. Um, yeah, just coming so close to winning, I thought, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nail this. I'm going to pull out all the stops, uh, started working with a coach, looked at my diet a bit more. Um, and then, yeah, just everything I had focused on 
getting better at the backyard ultra. So, hmm. and so I guess just prior to that lighthouse twelve hour thing, what was your longest run leading up to one hundred and twenty five? Uh, so I had done the uh, the six inch on a couple of the years, so that's forty seven k's. Right. So technically, yeah, it's still an ultra, but for me, it's only just that little bit more than a than a marathon. So um, yeah, for me, when I think of an ultra, I'm thinking like yeah 12 hours or or more so that's that's the kind of area where i like to do it is there a uh, pre prerequisite to end of the six inch no i don't think there is yeah it just i think my i had done a marathon before that um so yeah that was my experience but yeah there's no prerequisites anyone can sign up for it <laughs> and um i i guess the the army stuff um does that lend you to I don't know, aim for one of these races that sort of runs around in circles a little bit and stays up for long periods of time. Were you sort of predisposed to that style of race, you think? Uh, so with the Army, I'm just in the reserves. Um, I don't actually do too much in there. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I like the loop format. Um, so when I've done, yeah, the 12-hour, the 24-hour runs, the backyard runs, they're all done in that in that loop. And I just... I like the consistency of it. I like that you've got your you've got your crew there every lap. Um, you can stop if you want. You don't need to stop if you want to do a few more laps. Um, and it's yeah, it's the, the logistics of it are really easy, um, or a lot easier to to control and manage. And just knowing like what the course is going to be. Like you've done that one lap, and you just know you're going to be getting that every time so you're not going to have any surprises with you know a big hill coming out of nowhere or things like that um it, it's weird because when i do my training runs i i'm always looking for someone new to run if i'm doing like a, a 40k or 50k training run i'll be looking for a new route through the hills um yeah want to be looking at different things and exploring new places but when it comes to these races i like the controllable aspect of, of having those loops and being able to manage that a lot better so and, and so for, for the listeners, what's the Birdie's Backyard trail like? Like, is it, I mean, these things look reasonably flat, but is it is it good runnable stuff? Uh, for the most part, it's pretty runnable. Um, there was a course change this year. Uh, there had to be a couple of little deviations because there was a lot of flooding on one part of the course. Um, so it's pretty much all trail. There is one bit where it goes along a dirt road. Uh, which is pretty solid. There's a, a bridge that you need to cross, which uh, is only meant to be five at a time across the bridge because it's, it's kind of just an ad hoc thing that's been thrown in there. And um, and yeah, but the, the bit where they added the extra distance because um, I had to cut out one bit that was flooded and where they added in the extra distance, it actually went through a swamp and I just hated that swamp. But yeah, you go through it and your first few laps, you're like trying to work out which is the best way, best path to get through here. Um, and I just pretty much walked th through that swamp because I'm always walking in these backyards and I just took that swamp section as an opportunity to just yeah, sort of let my legs rest a little bit and just walk that bit. Because the last thing I wanted to do was be getting mud in my shoes and things like that. Um, but it was really interesting because as the laps went on and especially more so into the second day, you um, see all the, with all the, the feet that have been coming through there and stamping down the grass and stuff like that, there's some really clear paths um, that have been made in that swamp. So it, it did get easier as, as time went on. Um, 
and yeah, you, you kind of pretty much knew all the the safe spots to run through there. Have you uh, given a name to every frog in that swamp by the fifty first lap, mate? <laughs> no, um, there was there was a lot of frogs in there, <laughs> um, and yeah, you, you, sometimes they're like really loud, and you just like really focus on it. It's like fuck, there's a lot of there's a lot of frogs here, and then but other times you just tune it out, and you don't even you don't even notice it. So. Mm-hmm. Bill, um, we've, we've got a live listener question come in. Who's, uh, who are you tipping to win in the local derby, Eagles or Frio? Uh, I'm not really much of a footy player um, or I don't really watch it too much. But when I did, when I was into it, um, I, I was going for Frio. I, I probably wouldn't tip them to win, but, yeah, that, that's the team that I go for. So Eagles to win. Eagles? There you go. Where are you, where where are you, you house on uh, Frio. Frio. <laughs> Very good. Look, um, I guess 6.7 Ks on relatively flat terrain, people look at that or hear that and they go, that's just really easy. You know, I can do that. But what's the psychology like going in to a race with no finish line? Um, so you just, um, yeah, so the first time I did it, I, um, I was thinking, I know I can probably get to 24 hours. So I just focus on getting to that 24 hours and then, I was never going to drop out then. It was just a matter of get to that point and then just hang on for as long as I can, um, which ended up being 39 hours. But now when I go into them, um, I, like my plan will go up to um, 120 hours, not because I think I can get there, but because I think I can't. So I just have something sort of that out of reach that I'm not going to get to a point in my plan and be like, oh, my plan stops at 50 hours. Now what? Um, I just, I just kind of, psych myself up mentally that you know this this could be going on for for days and days mm. uh, feel serious question yeah. do you take drugs yep <laughs> no no uh the, the most i'll have is is caffeine um and even caffeine I, I limit that to just in the morning so between 6 a.m and um kind of midday because i do um try to get sleep in on the night lap so i don't want to have any caffeine in my system for when i try those sleep laps so can you explain what a sleep lap is? I mean, does that mean you just bolt yeah. in 36.7 Ks to get how much sleep can you Yeah, so I'll, on those laps, so it's pretty much um, as soon as the sun sets, I'll try and I'll, I'll come in for my sleep. So I do go a little bit quicker. Um, it, it's more like I, I up the pace a little bit. I take out some of the walking breaks. So I'm not, I'm not gunning it. Um, I don't want to like push myself and burn myself out on those laps because I'm, I'm doing probably yeah 10 or 12 of them in a row. So it's kind of a pace that's fast, but comfortable. And if I get in with 20 minutes to spare, then I get 20 minutes. If I come in with 15 minutes to spare, I get 15 minutes. And so I'll come in pretty much my crew is there ready with anything I need. If I need to have food for that, um, for that break as well or anything like that, but I'll, I'll come in, lie down, close my eyes. Um, I'll, I wouldn't say I necessarily get sleep, um, especially not on the first night. I'm still not really at that, that tired point. Um, but it's more about just lying down, letting myself relax, just tuning out. And, and you do kind of get up for that next lap, feeling that bit more refreshed. Um, but, yeah, getting into the second night and especially sort of the second half of the second night, there are a few times where I actually, yeah, do not often, you know, I've been asleep for 10 minutes, but I get up and it feels like I've had one or two hours sleep so it sounds fucking terrible 
Um, <laughs> yes. I would. Before before I nap, I like I like to brush my teeth and lay down with my favorite. Teddy, do you have anything that helps you get get off? Um, yeah. So uh, one of the guys on my crew, uh, Nathan, he's a hypnotherapist. So he will um, sort of do that hypnotherapy stuff as I'm going to sleep. So that is a really um, that's a really huge help. Um, it's not like hypnosis, like you know now under my control and you're going to get up and dance like a chicken it's kind of the way I explain it it's it's kind of like a guided meditation and it just helps get me that just that bit more relaxed um and yeah so that um yeah that that's what helps me on those nights I'm, I'm picturing him hold, holding your hand and whispering in your ear what's he do no so he, he would just sit on a chair next to my bed and uh yeah, basically just talks in a very nice, calm, soothing voice. Um, and, yeah, just talks as I drift off to sleep. So Yep, exactly how I pictured it. That's amazing. <laughs> it's beautiful. Do you, do you think he could hypnotise me to be a faster runner? <laughs> <laughs> well, he does sometimes put little things in there, like if, I, if I'm dealing with any niggles or things like that. Um, and just sort of if I'm having a rough patch, it's like giving me a little pep talk as well. Like it'll give me reassurance and just remind me that, you know, I've done the training for this. I know like I've been in this spot before. I know what to do. And it just kind of, yeah, reminds my subconscious of what I'm meant to be doing there. So on, uh, I guess on that, that training aspect, I mean, we're talking about that psychological stuff, but can you physically train to go, let's say from 39 hours to 51 hours, you know, is there something different with your body in those two races or is it all psychology? Um, yeah. So leading into my first backyard ultra, my biggest week probably would have been 120 Ks. Um, and it would probably, yeah. So it'd probably be between 80 and 120 Ks going into my next backyard ultra. I kind of up that up a bit to about 170 to 180 Ks. And I, I had a lot more structure to it. As I said, I was working with a coach. Um, so he, yeah, he pretty much wrote the plan up for me. So I didn't have to think about it too much. And um, yeah, it's just about getting those, those 40, 50 K runs in as well. Um, I'd still do a bit of speed work. Um, probably yeah, once, maybe twice a week, do those speed sessions and then a bit of cross training as well. So I'll get into the gym and do body pump classes and things like that. So, so you were physically better prepared than for those subsequent yeah, races. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So when you say coach, you mean you're psychologist? Uh, no. So I, I was working with uh, Tony Smith. Um, and yeah, he, he was really good. Um, I, I'm, I've gone back to sort of self-coaching. Um, I worked with him for a year and he was really good. I learned a lot from him. Um, and yeah, I've just kind of taken those learnings and, um, yeah, sort of do my own plans now. Had, had Tony coached anyone to do the same sort of races or was it a new thing for him too? Yeah, so he, um, he coached Michael Hooker. So he was the winner of um, Birdie's Backyard in 2020. Um, so he got 40 hours when I got 39. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he did have that experience with, with coaching for those events. Um, probably most of his most of his athletes are probably i think training between sort of the 5k to 42k um distance but yeah he'll he he can coach for any distance really Hmm. 
We had um, we had Michael Hooker and Margie Hadley on the show uh, twelve months ago, I guess. Um, yeah. How important was it to have someone like Michael? I guess pushing you along in those early races, plenty to learn there. Yeah, so uh, with the um, with the backyard format, it only goes as long until that second last person drops out. So when that second last person drops out, um, yeah, that last last one standing has to do one more lap to get the win and, and then the race stops. So you can't just keep going even if you feel like you want to. Um, well, I guess you could keep going, but it's not going to count for anything. Um, um, I also watched the uh, the video of of the uh, the recent, was which was the back, Birdie's Backyard, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Herdies, and um, they both sound the same. Yeah, Herdies and Birdies, yeah. confusing. Yeah. And I was pretty impressed how uh, you guys were going toe for toe, and it looked like he was he was done and dusted, but he managed to kick on for another five hours. Um, big Kev, this is Big Kev. This is Big Kev. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah, so the this was at Herdies. Yeah, Herdies. That's Herdies last year. Yeah. 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 So. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, that, that must have been hard thinking that, all right, I've got this now. Um, he's, you know, he looks like he's he's done and dusted and then he just keeps going another five hours. That's a, a long time to, to keep going. Uh, it, was, it was longer than that. Um, so we were down to two people, I think it was 34 hours. Um, Margie and um, Michael dropped out. And I remember because I'd had a, as one of my... Um, my targets I wanted to reach was the Australian record, which at the time was 46 hours. And then, so once um, Michael and Margie had dropped out and it was just me and Kev, I knew, like he'd kind of mentioned it before, he was aiming for around 36 hours. So then straight away I was thinking, oh, I'm not going not gonna to get this record now. But I was pretty happy that I, I, was, I was confident that I could um, outlast him to, to get the win. And so I was just like, I'll just be happy to get the win. You know, the, the Australian record, that was probably a bit of a long shot anyway. Um, but, yeah, Kev just kept coming lap after lap. And I, I would run around with him and he'll be like, no, this is it. This is my last lap. I'm done. But no, he just, the, the power of the community there that just kept driving him to, to do more and more laps. Um, and, yeah, until we ended up getting to the Australian record and then a, a couple of laps over that as well so yeah kev was yeah i, I thought he was going to drop out a lot earlier but he just yeah kev you could pushing i think you could have finished him off a bit earlier just put the straight jacket on and then he knows you're not fucking around <laughs> yeah yeah um, but yeah, the thing with kev as well is on the laps as we're running around he's he's so like you just see so drained he's so exhausted he just wants to stop but then when you get to the start line he's up there and he's dancing and he's like you know, build, building the crowd up and, you know, I don't know where he got that energy from, but I'm just thinking, why are you wasting all your energy dancing? Like, you know, save it out there on the on the lap. And, and so you're happy that he keeps going. How, how much of it is working together versus the competition there? Yeah, so I definitely have a, a much greater appreciation for the role of assist um, after running with Kev at that event. Um before I thought when I was this, this, I was just like, well, I, I didn't feel like I was there, like pushing hooker on. I was just trying to hang on for as long as I could to maybe I could outlast him. Um, but then with Kev, when he told me that he's done and 
but then he still keeps rocking up for these laps to help me get to the record. That it was just like a really selfless thing to do. Um, because he, I think he knew that he wasn't going to get the win. He wasn't doing it to try and win. He was just doing it to, to push me to those new limits. And, and at the time as well, I'm think like some, some laps I'm thinking, I don't care about the record. Just drop out. Like I'll, I'll take the win. <laughs> and, and you do kind of get into that dark place where you just want the race to stop. But then once you've done the race and you, you're finished, you, you're just so glad and so thankful that you had that other person there to run with. And that they did push you to those limits because I wouldn't want to, have, you know, talked him out of continuing on and then missing out on the Australian record and think, oh, maybe I shouldn't have talked him out of finishing and we could have got a lot further. So, yeah. and, and how good does it feel to not, I guess, feel the worst out there? I, I've done a few four man Oxfam races where you just don't want to be the fourth bloke in the line. You just, if you're third, second, fine, but you don't want to be feeling the worst. How good does it feel to not feel the worst with each lap? Um, you don't really see it that way. I think because um, I'm always hurting in these runs. I, it kind of gets to a point probably around like 10 or 12 hours or so where you just your body's just hurting, but then it just, it, it just plateaus there and it sort of stays at that point. So you, I kind of think that I'm hurting more than everyone else because everyone else is really good at hiding how they're feeling as well. Um, it's not until they kind of get to the pointy end of their run that you see that they're starting to struggle. Um, but yeah, with the event just gone the other weekend, um, so uh, that was where Chetan was the uh, was the assist, and I knew like for probably the last ten hours he was he was really struggling and he was hurting, and I'm thinking in my head I'm actually not feeling too bad, like if if I was feeling the same as Shatan or if I get to that point where I'm feeling like Shatan is, I don't know, like that, that's going to be a real struggle for me to get through. So I, I guess I'm a bit thankful that I've done all that physical training. So I'm, I, I kind of don't get to that point where the, the mental side really needs to kick in because I've still got that, a lot of that fitness there is, is getting me through to those, to those um, later laps. And yeah, it's just, yeah, I, Hopefully, I will get to a point soon. Um, yeah, if I've, I'm racing against some people that can go bigger distances, um, that that yeah, you do get into that into that pain cave where you really need to strive mentally to get to get through those laps. Yeah, so are you just purely um, limited by the size of your Excel spreadsheet? Then, like, can you just go further if you want to? Uh, yeah. So the reason I. So when I first um, made my plan, I've, I've kind of just used the same plan each time and I'll, I'll tweak it according to the event and, um, and where I am at, at that point. Um, but the first, the first time I wrote the plan, I've wrote it up to 75 hours because that is what the world record was. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of thinking, um, yeah, 46 hours was the Australian record. That was like my first target. I wasn't going to cut it off there. So I thought I'd kind of, yeah, go, go like double that. So the, um, yeah, the, the world record at the time was 75 hours. So I'm like, that's doable. I'll put that there, but that won't be my end point. And I think I just ended up, because I had 24 hours per page. So when I got to 75 hours, that was on the fourth page. And I'm just like, I'll just, I'll just fill up the rest of this page. So then it went up to 96. Um, and then, yeah, so my plan since then, I've, I've now got a fifth page on there. Just, yeah, the, the world record is now at, at 85. 96 might be a bit close to 85 so I just 
it's it's not that it's not that much harder to just print up another page and, and have those extra hours on there. So it's better to be safe than sorry. You still got to run it though, Phil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. And I I think it helps with the with the mental side of it as well. Having knowing that your plan goes up to 120 hours, you've I've already kind of set that as something that's possible in my mind that you know I could be here for five days. Um, so yeah, if if my plan only covered two days, I'd get into the third day and I'd be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going well beyond where I should be. And you kind of just will hit that kind of a, a block, a mental block in you. Yeah, you might not be able to push on. And if it's not in the spreadsheet, you might forget how to run. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's um, so that spreadsheet comes in very handy for the crew because it, it gets to a point. I think for the last one I did, the, it was probably around 26 hours and I just, I, I remember telling my crew I don't know what I need anymore so you guys figure it out for me so yeah up until that point they'd be like oh what what food do you want you know you've got a lunch break next what do you want and then it, it just gets to a point where I'll come in and they'll have something planned they'll have something ready for me um, so that that plan helps them with that but the plan doesn't cover everything um, they, that yeah they'll have to sort of think of other things as well you must have a good missus Phil yeah, so um, yeah, so she's my crew chief. Um, she, uh, so the first time I did one, I, I don't think she really knew what she was getting herself into. Um, and yeah, it got to when it was just me and um, Michael Hooker as the last two standing, and she was really struggling because she'd been that all that time without sleep as well. And we just kind of had all these other runners who had, you know, finished their run and had a decent sleep and were, were awake again, just jumping on board to help out. And then, so I learned from that and actually I've brought in a lot more crew. So the, the, for example, the one just gone, I had like six main crew people and uh, it just works really well because my wife can, um, she slept the first night. I had um, Wayne and Amanda crewing for me um, overnight. Then they'd go home and then yeah, Gemma, my wife, Gemma um, and Emma would come and crew during the day and then they'd go home and, um, for another sleep and Nathan and Cassie and Wayne and Amanda were back and yeah so for them getting their sleep in is is I think just as important as me getting my sleep in because um, yeah they, they need to um, they, they need to be alert and they need to know what's going on with me to better better assist me. So they're all off having their sleep are you just particularly good at not sleeping a great day? Um, drugs, Phil. I, uh, no, um, yeah, it's just just one of those things you just have to do. Um, you, you get that fifteen minutes if if you're lucky, fifteen twenty minutes sleep, and you just make do. So I've done like twelve hour events and twenty four hour events where you don't even consider sleeping. Um, but yeah, and it, yeah, in the in the backyards, I get what sleep I can. Um, just it's it's not a lot, but it, I think every little bit helps. And if if they can get me through, you know, get me an extra five laps at the end, then it's then it's worth it. And, and I guess the uh, the upshot of not having a great deal of sleep is the regular hallucinations that we hear about with these sort of races, mate. What's uh, yeah, I the most ridiculous thing you've seen? Yet. I, get, um, I haven't had um, visual hallucinations. I've had auditory hallucinations. So I'll, I'll hear things um, like I'll be out running the course on my own. There's no one around and I hear like all this 
like people chattering and things like that um, with these events as well. So Sean likes to have a, a five-minute countdown song. Um, and so for Birdie's Backyard, it's Bird is the Word. And for um, Herdy's Front Yard, it's um, These Boots Made for Walking by Nancy Sinatra. And so what I'll find as well, I'll be out somewhere in the middle of the course, like well away from the race village, and I just suddenly hear this song playing. And I have to remind myself, it's like, no, I'm not, that song's not playing. I'm just imagining that. <laughs> so yeah, I get the auditory hallucinations, but none of the visual ones yet. Hey, that's impressive. If, if I had bird is a word in my head 51 times, I think I'd neck myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The boots um, <laughs> made for walking is definitely a, a, a better song to listen to. Um, but yeah, that, that it can drive you a bit crazy after, after a few laps. Oh, dude. What about uh, you're out there for long enough that you actually need to do laundry? That's that's not normal. Yeah, so it's just um, I've got very specific clothes that I like to wear, and obviously I'm not just going to buy like a huge amount of them. So um, yeah, just bringing that washing bag along, it, it just yeah it gives that opportunity to just keep reusing those same clothes. Um, the other thing I did so um, the last the last two uh, backyards I've done this in is having a shower. So just adding that, that shower stop in there makes a huge difference as well. Like you just, it, I just come out have, from that shower, just feeling a lot more refreshed and just I wouldn't say I feel like it's lap one again, but it, it, you kind of do feel like you've just got all that extra energy. Um, so the one that I had to use at Herdy's um, was just like a little hose fitting that I'd attached to a tap, take my body wash and flannel on that and just, yeah, just spray myself down, wash off all those salts and all that sweat and dirt and dust and all of that. I'd be having one every yeah. lap. That sounds good. Yeah, but the thing is, to I, I need I need probably about twenty minutes to fit that in. So I've got to do a fast lap, um, and I don't want to be doing that every lap. And it is it is a hassle to you know, get unchanged, get changed again, and all of that. So uh, um, Herdy's, I was doing it. Um, first thing in the morning and last thing before sunset. Um, it was just so humid there. I just had to have those two showers a day. Whereas at Birdie's last year, it was, I just had the one shower. I think it was probably about, I think it was just before the two day mark. Um, yeah, I just thought I'd, I'd kind of hit a low point and then just having that shower just kind of helped pull me out of that. So. Speaking of uh, the clothing and the gear and stuff, um, people often ask this kind of thing, but how many pairs of shoes do you roll through on, on an event like that? Um, so I'll, I'll probably take like three or four main ones that I'll rotate through. I'll have another three or four as backups if those first three or four aren't working out for me. Um, six pairs of so shoes? Yeah, yeah, so I'll take yeah about six pairs, but probably only use three or four. Okay, um, and, and, and you've just got yourself a, uh, a shoe partner or a shoe sponsor. Is it Tar Tarkin? Yeah, is that how it's so, pronounced? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Tarkin, they um they provided me with shoes for the event. So I, I kind of mixed. I wore those for some of it, um, and then I had hockers for, oh, for the other lap. Careful, we won't talk about uh, that. We can edit that. <laughs> we'll edit yeah. that out, mate. Don't don't mention the other brands. Uh, yeah. So um. Yeah, so I had those other shoes, which, um, yeah, I, I'd use for some laps. Like the, the shoes that I'll, I'm used to, 
using in the in the backyards in the past. Um, but the tarquins actually worked really well for me this time because my feet actually swelled up quite a bit, um, and they just had a bit more space in them that it ended up being the only shoe that I could run in by, by the end of it. And I haven't really had issues with my feet swelling up before, and I think it must have had something to do with the humidity or something like that because um, yeah, norm, normally I, I haven't had that issue, but those tarquins just ended up um, just being great having those there. And I had I had two pairs of tarquins, and I'll just rotate between those those two. Um, just even though they're exactly the, the same shoe, it's just nice to sort of mix it up a little bit and get a fresh pair on your feet. Of course it is. Let's talk about nipples. Do you <laughs> do you tape them or what? Yeah. What do you? So what do you fix put? them all. Yeah, just, just two two little squares of fix them all. Yeah, um, that's me. And normally that yeah. that one. That one application at the start of the race will, will get me all the way through. So yeah, quality stuff. Yeah, does a job. Quality stuff. So just back to the tarquins before the nipple talk came in. Yeah. Um, the, the, there's some sort of environmentally friendly vibe. They're, they're spouting. What's what's their? What's yeah, so their, they're they're just made of um of all recycled um like from recycled plastics and stuff like that. So yeah. they're just trying to reduce the um that footprint. I guess no pun intended. Um, but yeah, just, just, um, so yeah, be more eco-minded and more environmentally conscious. Yeah. Cool. I like that. I'm all for the green. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, talking about your, your wife, Emma and her, uh, Supreme support crew work. I mean, I've watched a little bit of your, your footage, I guess, in and out and, you know, at times people don't look amazing, you know, rolling in and out of this backyard ultra stuff. What's her psychology yeah. like sending you off into the dark on night two when you're maybe not looking your best? Um, well, she just won't take no for now. So if I'm if I ever get to the point where I'm saying no, I'm not doing another lap, she's just gonna be like, no, fucking get out there. Really? And do that lap. Like, you know, you've you've done this before, you know what you're doing, you're you're the best at this. So just yeah. But it does it doesn't normally or not at, at least since my first backyard. It hasn't really got to that point too often um, because, yeah, just because I've got that experience and I've got that sort of mental ability within myself to sort of push through that, um, it makes her job a bit easier, I guess. I've, uh, but, yeah, she wouldn't care. She wouldn't care if, like, my leg was falling off. She'd just be like, no, get out there and go do it. That's fantastic. My uh, my wife's usually completely the opposite when she has support crewed me and been really concerned for my welfare, which is obviously not the right thing at the time. <laughs> so that's impressive. Well yeah. done, Emma. Well done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Gemma's my wife. I wouldn't get my wife to Sorry. a 5K fun run. So congratulations <laughs> to both of you. It's yeah. really impressive. So, yeah, my, my wife's name is Gemma. Emma oh, is sorry. one of the other people that cruise for me. So. All right. I was so close, though. Jeez, I was close. <laughs> yeah. What were you, what were you well, going with Emma? Emma, but it's not Emma. It's yeah. Gemma. Yeah. Um, but Emma, but Emma is Emma does crew for me as well. So maybe that's where I was confused. Yeah. Um, yeah. I believe you're a big audio book fan at night. What's uh What's on the list? Yeah. So normally, what I've done in the past with these events is I will listen to a book that I'm familiar with, um, that I've I've heard before. Because then that way it doesn't matter if I tune out, um, I can just sort of pick back up in the story and I know what's going on. If I listen to a new book, generally, like if I if I tune out for a bit, um, 
I can just get lost and not know what's going on in the story and mm. there's no point listening to it. Um, but what I did this time is um, I'd, I'd ask friends for recommendations and I'd, I just wanted to find a story that was really engaging um, that I, I would get really um, sort of involved in and I'd want to keep listening to and I wanted it to be a new story. So I went with uh, Project Hail Mary and that, that was just perfect for what I wanted it for. So the first the first two nights um, I was listening to that and it, it just helps get me out there each lap as well because I'm really engaged in the story and it's like I need to, you know, hear what happens next. Um, and, yeah, so, and, and you know, being a new story, I'm not getting bored by it or anything. I'm just really excited to listen to it. But it got to, I, I pulled out the audio book. Um, I normally just do it on the, on the night laps, but it was on Sunday afternoon when I was kind of running by myself most of the time because it was just down to me and Chitan. So I pulled the audio book out again and I, I kind of found that I wasn't paying attention to that book as much. So I, I stopped listening to that one and then I pulled out an old favourite, which was Ready Player One. Um, and, yeah, and that's what I needed at that point, something that I could just listen to, I was familiar with, and if I tuned out, it didn't matter. I could just jump back into the story. Yeah, perfect. I love it. I think it's a good strategy. Just like watching the Ozarks, you just want to get to the next episode. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, what about the chat early on? Is it pretty, um, I, I guess, supportive or is there a little bit of banter going, I'm going to do 51 hours, uh, I'm going to do 52 hours and et cetera? Yeah, I, I think um, these events, they're very, um, they're very social because you're all starting at the same point each hour. It's not like you're doing a 200-mile race and you're out on the course for, for stretches at a time by yourself. Um, so each lap, you're all, all together again and you can run with different people at different paces because, you know, I'm not, I'm not out there to, you know, break any records for each lap. I, I will walk and I'll, um, and I'll jog and I'll run. And so you find that you can sort of match up with other people's running styles or paces and you can run with them for a bit on that lap and then you can run with some, someone different on the next lap. So, yeah, there, there is a lot of, of um, chat in, chatting in that in definitely the first 24 hours. And then as people kind of get a bit more exhausted and stuff like that, it, it, it dies down a little bit, but you're still there um, pushing each other on. And um, you could just be running next to someone and not even talking, but you, you're kind of in it together. Mm-hmm. And it is very much a, I think, I think there is very much that team aspect of it. Like it's not, it's not about being competitive. It's about, you know, running together and, and pushing these, these limits together. And, and especially when you get down to the last two, because the race is only going to go on as long as you both are. Um, so, yeah, as soon as that second person drops out. Um, oh, yeah. And I'm so like, on, then, I guess on that note, like, do you go searching around now for someone who can push you further? What's what's the next step there? Yeah, so ideally, um, my plan is to get to Big's Backyard in uh, Tennessee in 2023. So, so that's like the, the World Championships of Backyard Ultra Racing. So I did actually get the invite to it last year. So it's done every second year. Um, and, yeah, I was, I was looking in. This is when COVID was still kind of um, stopping international travel and stuff like that. But I managed to get an exemption. I was looking at getting flights, trying to plan it all out. Um, yeah, trying to work out um, the time of work. Um, the the hurdle I came 
um, I got stuck up against was I could get in and out of America, no problems. But coming back from America, I could only go to um, Sydney or Melbourne. And from Sydney or Melbourne, I couldn't get back to Perth because of the Perth, um, because of the WA border closure. Because of chair, so it was just annoying. Mark. Even though I could get to America, I couldn't get back to Perth. Um, so I had to put that one on the back burner. So I'm, 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 the goal is to get there for 2023. And so I'll just be up against, you know, the best backyard ultra runners in the world. So I will be able to find those people there who can, who can push me to, to bigger limits. That's awesome. So, as I mentioned earlier, they got 85 laps last year. So. 85 laps at that event. Yeah. And is this the one run by yeah. Lazarus of um, yes. like yep. Barclays fame? Yeah. Yep. 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 So he came up with the concept and it's just yeah taken off all over the world. Unreal. So you just need a slightly bigger spreadsheet than the next guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I, I think a bit more than a spreadsheet. Um, but yeah. Uh, lobotomy. <laughs> I got a lobotomy. <laughs> Oh, mate, that's very exciting. So what's uh, what's the lead-up to that look like in terms of racing for you? Um, so the next one on my horizon is not actually a backyard. It's a 24-hour track race, so the Canberra Track Invitational. Mm. Um, so that's the next big one for me. I'm doing a 12-hour – I'll do the 12-hour light horse before that as a training run. Um, but then, yeah, there's a few more backyards coming up. So there's a couple in South Australia – I'd like to do. There's the Birdies Backyard um, in August. There's a new one starting in Tasmania. Um, but I, I can't do them all, so I, I got to work out which ones I'm I'm going to do. Um, and it might come down to who's signed up for those events, um, because if there's, I know that there's people um, interstate, so on the east coast, who can push big distances, get over 40 hours, um, and probably over 50 hours as well. So if I can find a race that they're going in as well, um, yeah, the, the more the more people that we can get into one race, which, you know, where they can go more than 40, 50 hours, yeah, the more chance we have of, of hitting some big totals. So there's definitely people in WA that can do it as well. Uh, and I think with each, uh, with each backyard that happens, people are getting more experience, they're getting more exposure to it. Um, they're, they're seeing what's capable um, they're seeing what other people are capable of and they're, and then giving them that belief that they can do that as well. Um, so yeah, we'll get, we'll get people pushing further and further distances as, as time goes on. I think it's utterly insane, but I'm very, very impressed at the same time. Um, how many of those things do you reckon you can do in a, in a calendar year? Um, so I did three last year, uh, and that's because I've, I've got other runs in there as well. Like I do the light horse 24 hour and things like that. Um, I think that's probably, yeah. So maybe three or four is probably if, if you want to be doing them well, I mean, if you want to go in them and just do like 24 hours or something, you can probably do a few more. Just so 24 you, hours. That's awesome. Yeah. If you, if you want to go there and push the, you know, 40, 50 hours. Um, yeah. It, there is quite a bit of recovery time involved and then building that training back up again in time for the next one. Um, what's so, yeah. uh, what's the length of time for recovery? Like when are you back to full strength? Um, I'd say at a, at a minimum, 
five weeks. So last year when I did herdies, five weeks later, I had the 24-hour light horse um, where I did 255Ks. I think it was 255, yeah. Um, and I think if I had one less week recovery, I, yeah, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have done that well. So five, five is probably too short, but at a bare minimum, you can get by with that, I think. Well, I'm baffled, but uh, it's quite incredible. It's been quite, quite, quite incredible. So, mate, um, if, if people want to follow your journey to Tennessee 2023, where's the best place to check you out? Um, so I'm on Instagram um, at 5K a day. So 5, uh, 5K underscore A underscore day underscore. Um, and that's, I've, yeah, I document most of my runs on there. So even just going out for like a, a 5k training run, I'll just put it up there. And, and it, I started it more so to just keep myself accountable um, and just to kind of just have that, that visual reminder each day of, of putting that, that post up and, and that yeah, helped me get through that, um, through that first year of, of when I committed to that 5k day. And I've kind of just kept it going since then. So even though, yeah, my minimum my minimum is five k's, but I'm um, yeah quite often getting out there for more than that. And people are like, oh, maybe you should change it, or you should be six point seven one k's a day. And I'm like, no, five five k's is a, a good. No. It's got a good ring to it. No, change it. <laughs> Mad as Everyone fuck. Everyone that now, <laughs> Yeah, and I, I'm on Strava as well. Um, so yeah, just look up Phil Gore on Strava. Yeah, you should be able to find me on there. We'll see some serious laps, that's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, mate, it's been a pleasure to uh, find out about <laughs> this this madness that is the backyard ultra running. It's so, yeah. yeah. It's out of my league, that's yeah. for sure, but yeah. very impressive. So good luck over the next couple of uh, couple of races, and we look forward to checking out the uh, results page on Tennessee. 86 laps is the goal, right? <laughs> uh, and then keep going if I can. Nice. The goal is to always just, keep going as, as long as I can so I don't I don't want to set a goal at 86 laps because then I'll get to 86 laps and be like yeah I'm done true um, so it's always I, I try not to set those goals just to to keep going mate, I'd never bet against you unlike Frio who I would bet against this afternoon <laughs> <laughs> all right mate it's been a pleasure cheers Phil see you Phil thanks mate thank you thank you, thank you.